Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, welcome back to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and today we are spending time with the amazing Justin Sharpentier. He is a visionary entrepreneur and PR strategist with a distinguished, distinguished, how does that sound? Distinguished military background as a combat sniper. Ooh, now here's somebody you want on your side. He has years of experience and excels in strategic storytelling and brand positioning, empowering clients to gain credibility and notoriety. I, I can't say this big word today. Empowering clients to gain credibility and notoriety, notoriety, notoriety in their industries. Committed to growth and authenticity, Justin inspires others to pursue their ambitions with purpose and determination. Thank you for those tongue twisters. <laughs> After lunch, I just get all tongue-tied. I'm like, what are these big words? You know, your mind kind of just goes to sleep. But thanks for hanging out here today, Justin. I did not know that you were um, in the military and that you were a combat sniper. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, yeah. So I was in the army for just under eight years. Um, I'd signed up for six years and... Just before the end of my six years, we had uh, September 11th and all those things. And so I got um, I got held. So they call it stop loss. It is, it is a retention clause with the military mm-hmm. and your enlistment. So they kept me an extra 15 months. Oh. 17 months, actually. 16 months and, and uh, 16 days. <laughs> wow. I bet you were not a happy camper. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, um, no, I was actually, it's it's a weird thing to say, but I was actually excited about it. I had worked on an anti-terrorism detail after September 11th. I worked with NYPD, Port Authority, um, a bunch of different agencies in the New York City area. And I was doing some really cool stuff, but um, to be sent overseas, and that's what it was, I was being sent to Iraq. It felt like I was fulfilling my purpose for even enlisting, you know? Yeah. So well, it thank was you for your service. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was exciting and it was uh, scary and it was, um, I don't know. It was like the culmination of that point in my life. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, exp- a lot of different things that you guys see when you're in that 
type of environment and the things that you have to deal with and constantly being on your toes, it's almost like you're high alert. And then coming back to civilian life, it's like, what? <laughs> you know, what, what's going on here? So when you think about that, I mean, when you went into the military, I know a lot of people in my family went into the military because it was a it was a safe way to earn money to further their education and to get a skill set, you know, because I was the first person in my family to graduate from high school. Um, <laughs> yeah, no one else graduated from high school in my family. So is that why you chose that path? Um, yeah, partially. The The biggest reason that I joined, um, I had been in college. I did three semesters in college. I played baseball in my first semester and then I got injured. Um, it wasn't an athletic injury. It was a drinking injury. Wow. I, did, <laughs> I put my hand through a window and it, and it cut my tendons and a couple of nerves. And so that was really mm. uh, difficult. I never made the spring roster. Um, and then I wound up playing rugby and I did a whole lot more drinking and uh, floundered. You know, I grew up in a sheltered small town and I got into the university setting and kind of just let it loose and I had no discipline. So me going in the army was about discipline and it was about getting myself back on track, mm -hmm. but it was also about making money. But I mean, I was, I, I had jobs. I actually had three jobs that I worked in between semesters, you know, um, so I don't know, I, I guess. What was your first job? So my very first job ever was teaching swimming lessons. Um, I was, I went through the swimming lessons program in my small town, right? In my, my little town. And I did pretty well. And as I kind of moved up through the ranks, I was 12 years old. I had to get all the special papers to work and everything. But in the summertime, they asked me if I wanted to be an instructor. And I did that. So I went through like the Red Cross training became an instructor and it was really, it was really awesome to be 12 years old. Um, I think the pay was like $375 for the summer. Oh, wow. This summer. <laughs> summer. But it was like, no, it was like four weeks or five weeks. Right. But mm. um, I guess at that time in my life, that was a lot of money. That was more money than any of my friends had. You know? Yeah. What did you do with that money? Um, I used that money for uh, school clothes you know, mm -hmm. and then, um, I saved a little bit of it and just kind of accumulated. And then, um, so when I went, when I did move out of the house and I went to school, I had a little bit of a, of a savings. Mm -hmm. How would you say you're a good saver now? Um, I'm a better saver now. Absolutely. Um, yeah. it's, it's important. It's, uh, it's not something that I've always done in my life, but now I, I have matured into becoming a saver, you know? A lot of people don't like to save money. They don't see the point. So we we tell ourselves these stories that there's no point in saving, you know, is tomorrow going to really come, especially if they look at the world and the state that it's in and all the things that the financial world is doing. So what's your take on that? Well, you know, I'm an entrepreneur as well. And so um, in the world of business and entrepreneurship, there is no guaranteed paydays. There's no paycheck on Friday. There's no, you know, so I've been in situations where, uh, the savings is depleted and it's mm -hmm. used to live. It's used to rescue a business. It's used to rescue personal, you know, it's used to rescue and boy, I just don't know, um, 
I know how difficult it could be, even when it's not enough that's saved, right? So I don't know where I would be without savings. And I think that's the most important piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, save to have security. And then beyond that, save to buy assets so mm-hmm. that, you, you know, so that you can produce money without having to rely on the paycheck or the business or whatever it is. Right. Making your money work for you. I like to say our money has babies and those babies have babies and so forth. (laughs) We're multiplying our money to the seventh, eighth generation to allow it to work for us, to create that safety net, that security blanket that we also desire. But a lot of entrepreneurs feel like they're living check to check. Is that your experience? There has definitely been times in business when I've lived check to check. Um, I had a construction company and I basically owned a job and I'll tell you what, one of my weaknesses in business to this day is collecting money from clients and from customers. I just, I don't know why that's my, that's my limiting belief. My money mindset is that I don't like to ask for money. I just want people to want to pay me. Right. So mm-hmm. if you don't ask, you know, you don't get it. Um, sometimes you do, but <laughs> You know, if it's owed and you and you don't ask, then uh, it's it's really like a like you're repelling the money in your mind, you know. And mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. There's been times when I've felt check to check in business. Yeah, that's a pretty scary feeling, and it's interesting that you're afraid to ask. And a lot of those, you know, that's ingrained in your brain from day one. You know, when we grow up, we don't get taught finances, but we certainly catch what our parents demonstrate for us, and the conversations that they have become our own stories that dictate how we use our money today and every single day. So when you think about your earliest memory from childhood around money, what was it? Um, I don't know if this is an actual memory or if I've just heard the story so much that I'm remembering the story. Mm-hmm. But when I was very, very young. Um, Okay. So my parents divorced when I was three. And in that time, I mean, my, my mother was receiving benefits, you know, my, my mom and dad were receiving benefits and um, many, many, many conversations in my childhood between my mom and my dad about child support and about money and about just, um, I don't know, I guess that just thinking about that right now, you, you've probably revealed something here with that question. <laughs> Having to ask my dad, you know, when are you going to pay my mom? Mm-hmm. That was super uncomfortable, super uncomfortable. So that's interesting. I'm going to do, I'm going to do some work do on some that. work on that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And when you're, I mean, like in a child's eyes, the dad's supposed to take care of the family. And if he wasn't doing, taking care of the obligation, you know, it's not right. And why, why are you not taking care of us? Like in that displacement of that thought process is really powerful. So I can see the connection where you don't want to ask for money, but you get to ask for money. You know, you get to bill somebody because the services you provide are phenomenal. Like you have this beautiful way with words and, and just capturing people's stories and putting it on paper that just brings tears to my heart. So it's incredible the talent that you have not it's very unique there's you know a lot of people can't do it they try to force it upon them but you just have this natural gift and using that like how did you fall into being a pr person um so 
I'm going to try to make it quick because I could, I could tell you this story and take a couple hours, but (laughs) first, the first thing I want to do though, is just touch back on the last thing is I don't, I don't know that my father wasn't maintaining his responsibilities. I just know that I was in the middle of that. That's the, I I don't want to paint the wrong picture because I don't really know. I, I didn't really have like a, um, it wasn't like we weren't okay, you know? Yeah. I have a similar experience. My dad, my parents were divorced when I was three too. And my dad would always, um, he got remarried and he would always write the wrong address on the um, envelope, you know, cause back then they snail mailed checks. Mm-hmm. So the, the child support check, it was $20 a week for each kid. There was four of us. So back in the seventies and every single Friday it was supposed to come. And every single Friday, my mom would have a fit and, 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 screaming yell because the thing was the check wasn't in the mail and it would come like the following Tuesday and it would always have like the wrong zip code or the wrong house number on it. And it happened every single week. Yeah. And, you know, when we would go for like my, my dad would pick us up for visitation rights, my mom would always tell my brothers, ask your father why he's not writing the correct address, give him these labels and have him use these labels. And he never did. And it was his wife that was doing it. And it was a game that they played. So I have that impression for my dad was you didn't want to take care of us. <laughs> you purposely delayed payment and made us wait because why? And so, yeah, I'm just projecting my own, <laughs> no, my no. own personal story on there. So thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so PR, it goes back to, um, I, I always loved writing. It's, it's really interesting. Um, in school, in like young elementary school, I was very good. I understood I understood the the way language works. I understood the English language very well at a young age, and especially in writing, could be very eloquent. I wrote a lot of notes that got myself out a lot of, out of a lot of trouble when I was when I was a young uh, a young boy, um, to the point that my great grandmother. Um, great grandmother. So my mother's grandmother told me when I was a teenager, and I don't remember exactly when, but she told me that someday you're going to make money writing. Mm. And I think that kind of was a seed that was planted. Um, I got into copywriting, you know, in the, in the early two thousands, as I was getting out of the army, I got into copywriting, I got into marketing, I got into advertising. And so, yeah, that's a way of making money writing as well, copywriting. And then that transferred to, you know, um, I love this phrase. I love this quote or cliche, whatever you want to call it. And I don't know who said it, but marketing is like asking someone on a date and PR is what gets them to say yes. So that, that became a piece of what I did with my business and with my agency. And, um, I felt like I got very general. So over the past couple of years, I went from offering a very specific service, Facebook advertising, with some organic behind that, to offering everything, SEO, web development, like just I grew into this jack of all trades or the Swiss army knife of an agency. And, you know, it didn't feel good. Um, that wasn't that wasn't my overall passion. And so I love all those aspects, all those things, but it was like juggling things that I liked and didn't like. And what I took away from that and where I'm at now is just the the story, finding someone's story and putting that, you know, into words that other people can relate to. I 
I love doing that. I, I just love, I love using language to tell stories and uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think I that's, and when you love what you do, it brings in more money because <laughs> you can't oh, help it. you're sharing that talent and it just automatically attracts money. And you've mentioned a couple of times that you, you know, you have this sense of repelling money. So when you think about your talents and your gifts and how you're using them to attract money, do you feel like there's still a disconnect of you repelling money, even though you want to receive it, other than the fact that you don't want to ask people like, you know, people come to work with you and you're like, okay, here's the payment link. I know oh, they didn't, they didn't pay it yet. What's going on? <laughs> no. Um, so my relationship with money is like a, it's like a roller coaster, uh, if I'm being honest. It is not like all the other relationships in my life. And I and I acknowledge and take responsibility for the fact that it's not like all the other relationships. I have always been someone that can learn anything and do anything and achieve anything that I put my mind to. And that's like a very natural thing for me. So if I focus on something that I want, I can attract it. I can manifest it, if you will. And I can bring that into my life. I do the same with money, but it's not something that happens unless I'm working on it. So, and if I'm not working on it, I eventually end up just habitually repelling money. And I, I, I can see that in my life. There's times when uh, money has really loved me and showed up in mass amounts. And then there's times when like money forgot who the heck I was and didn't come <laughs> around, you know? Well, there's a fix for that, you know, it's all about daily gratitude and just thinking money and checking those numbers every day. So thinking about managing your business financials and your personal financials, most entrepreneurs, you know, they have an accountant that does all their number crunching and all of that. But when it comes to your personal finances, it's kind of a hot mess. So if you were to hire a CFO to manage your money, would you hire yourself? Um, I think I have hired myself. I, I, I do a pretty good job. Um, I keep track daily. I keep track daily of what we spend, what we save. Um, you know, I, what I don't keep track of daily is our long-term investments. Um, those are kind of set and forget. I used to keep track of those things daily. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I was a little more stressed there than really, really needed because we look at big losses and understand we don't understand sometimes when we see those losses that if if it is a true long-term investment that you know it's got time to correct and you know but um i i would hire myself i do also have a cfo in business and mm -hmm. um yeah, I mean, it's not like a, it's not like something that I want to do just because of the control, but it's something that I do pretty well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's awesome. You're the first person to answer that question and say, yes, I would hire myself. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had, like I said, I had to get here. You know, these are the, the roller coaster ride is what brought me here, the ups and the downs mm -hmm. and the self awareness and the reflection and, and everything. Um, yeah. If I, I could have someone do what I do, uh, mm -hmm. I would love to offload it. <laughs> yeah. It's everything that we don't, that isn't the top of our zone of genius. It's so much, makes such more of an impact to load it off on someone who loves to do that. 
Um, I think that's one of the reasons why we first hire VAs. Like that's the first person we decide to hire is okay. <laughs> I don't want to do this back end stuff in my business. Who can I get to do it for me? And yeah. most entrepreneurs don't like to keep the books. They don't like to crunch the numbers or, or, you know, they don't mind looking at their banking accounts, but really optimizing their systems and putting it in a strategic way to help 10x their profit. They're like, huh, what? What does that mean? <laughs> you know, and always questioning that. So when you think about the roller coaster ride that you've been on with money, what would you say your biggest challenge has been? Um, that's a good question. I mean, there's been, there's been lots of challenges. Um, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know how to answer that because this is how I feel about money. And I know I put this, uh, I shared this with you. Um, to me, money comes and money goes, but it always comes back. Mm -hmm. uh, when I can remove the resistance, it comes back like instantly. Um, I guess if I go back to the time when I was in the army, right. Um, I, you know, it wasn't a lot of money, but because we didn't have a lot of expenses, it accumulated pretty quickly, but I did a lot of spending and not a lot of saving. So it was more of a check to check life while I was in the military, at least the first part of my, the first part of my time in the military. Um, somewhere in that time, I did come to the realization that saving was important and I did some moonlighting. And so I had some things on the side that I was doing and I I made a lot of money. When I got out of the army, I had a lot of money saved up. Um, it also, <laughs> it didn't, uh, it didn't hurt my spending habits to be in a combat zone for a year and, and not buying anything and not making any purchases, you know, mm -hmm. money just accumulates that way. Yeah. But um, I guess, so my very non-answer here is just the mindset. The mindset was the hardest thing with money. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you're on the side of, I want money because I need it and I don't have it. You're really in, in lack. And then being in lack is what does the repelling of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The resistance you had mentioned that. So what resistance do you have that keeps money away from you? Um, these days, um, I don't have a specific resistance to money. You know, sometimes things come up and I, and I start believing these little stories that I tell, you know, like excuses, I make excuses mm -hmm. and then an excuse snowballs into a belief. And then that belief is responsible for, you know, these things. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that and knowing, you know, how, how much your mindset can affect so many different things, I'm able to I'm able to do the work and fix it. That's super important, but mm -hmm. uh, it is still, it's still a roller coaster. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a new venture right now with, with where I've taken my agency. So at times there's certainly the, the doubt and the, and the disbelief that creeps in, you know? Yeah. And every day, a lot of times entrepreneurs, business owners, what have you will think, Oh, I've got this, but just the day-to-day -day activities that, you know, we're, things are stagnant. It doesn't seem like anything's, you know, moving, like you're not getting any attention, you know, and money's like, huh, I'm just going to make you wait. Oh, it's almost the end of the, you know, third quarter. We're getting next, what, couple more days, we're going to be in the fourth quarter. Right. So, you know, there's that sense of panic, you know, and, and then of course there's all that, oh, you need to spend money to, you know, not have to pay taxes and all these different things that people try to instill in us that aren't exactly true. Because when we have a money management system in place that works, it's 
everything falls into place. It's like the SOP for your business. It's the SOP for your finances. So when you think about the strategies that you have in place in both your business and your personal, what is the one, what's the non-negotiable? Um, what's supposed to be the non-negotiable? Well, I, I aspire to be a profit first entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. our, our business is set up that way. Um, yeah, I mean, in the past, it's, it's been easy to say, Hey, I need to just take a little bit here because I need to, I need to increase my operating expenses just this month. Okay. Just the next couple. Okay. Just the next quarter. <laughs> no. So that should be the non-negotiable and I do my best to make it the non-negotiable, but, um, I'm, I'm not perfect with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And giving yourself grace and recognizing that, you know, everyone thinks they have to be perfect in managing their money and especially when it comes to their business. Um, but as long as you Im- implement the same strategy, like, you know, how you show up with your business finances, it's going to be the same way you show up with your personal finances and being consistent and persistent and looking at those numbers and having that, I like to call it the wealth activation roadmap and looking at it and saying, oh, wow, look at all of this. I was working with a client today who did not pay attention to her assets. And we've been working together for six months. One of the daily six action steps that she takes is to look at her assets and celebrate that every single day. And, you know, Mm. what's your net worth? She had no idea what her net worth is. So we created a we redid her map and we looked at the map and she's like, wow, I have that much money. And even after we looked at her debt and like her net worth, she was still really high up there with her money. And she's like, wow. She's, I never knew. And she has literally spent the whole summer just beating herself up. Um, she got stolen from somebody. She was at a bank and somebody, you know, did one of those forged checks on her and stole mm-hmm. money from her. So she was beating herself up up that she, you know, was trying to start a business and it wasn't going the way she, she wasn't loving what she was doing. So she was like, do I go back to a nine to five and just all these decisions that she needed to make. And she totally shut down with her finances. So a lot of times that's what happens. We're just, we get so overwhelmed and we're like, you know what, I'm not doing it. I'm not looking at it. So how do you work through those times in your personal life or business life when you get to that point where like money, you're not around here, forget it. I've repelled you. What do you do? <laughs> well, how do not, you work through it? I'm not different than your client. When when I find myself in those situations, I go, wow, I haven't looked at I haven't looked at our financial positions in XYZ. I haven't looked at anything in a week. What the heck am I doing? Right. Um, it's the lack of awareness and then suddenly having the awareness. It is a, it's a habit of seeing those and, and feeling it's so funny because it's a feeling, right? It's a feeling of, man, it feels like things are getting tight. And so we avoid it. If we look at it, first of all, it can be managed because whatever you track, you can manage. Exactly. But if, if we do look at it, it's like, oh man, I don't know why I was having that feeling because things aren't tight. It just it felt that way, you know? Right. It, it's, it's really strange. It is. The mind's a powerful thing. And I always say our thoughts are the most powerful tool that we have. And when you, like, I, I know the numbers, I have them written down too, but I know the numbers of how much I've invested in my business in 2023. But when I, you know, put it into the profit first graphs and I look at it, it's like, huh, what? <laughs> I spent that much money? What was I thinking? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
you know, what was, where was I going with that purchase? And I look at these things and I'm, I'm thankful for every single one, but I'm like, okay, we need to rethink what we're investing in, you know, cause not everything is, is meant to be purchased right when we see it, you know, we need to have the plan in place, have a, you know, like I like to say, if you don't, if your dollars don't have a purpose, the purchase isn't going to make sense. And it's not going to provide you with what you were looking for. And a lot of times when we invest in things, we do it out of this sense of need. Like I'm trying to fill a void. What void do I want to fill? Have you ever experienced that? Yeah. Um, I can tell you a very specific story about this. Um, when I was, so I lived in the city, I lived in New York. Uh, I lived in New York city and I worked in the city and my, so my first venture, my first real venture into business was working with my best friend and his mom as, um, well, we were financial and management consultants, right? Which is a fancy term for, we did a lot of different things. <laughs> this is why I'm comfortable being my own CFO is because we did a lot of accounting. We did a lot of control, financial controlling for businesses. Um, anywhere I'm, I'm going, where I'm going with this is that I made a lot of money. I made a lot of money. And on one occasion, um, I went to Atlantic City, which was only a few hours away from, from New York City. And I'm not much of a gambler, but I did go there and gamble a bunch. And um, I didn't come back with the money that I left with. Mm. And I felt so empty, so empty. I didn't, I, I can't describe that, that feeling. Um, it was weird. Almost like, like a mini little depression. So mm. we just spent, we spent a night and then part of the next day. And then I, I left. And when I got back home, which was just a few hours, I immediately went shopping, which was the strangest thing. And I, it felt so strange to me, but I went shopping and I bought like a very expensive pair of shoes and an expensive sport coat. And I bought these things and like, it made me feel worse. I thought it was going to make me feel better, but it made me feel worse. And I don't know, I don't know why that was, but I did, I was very aware of it. And, uh, um, I've, I've never done anything like that again. Um, I've, I've lost money on stupid little gambling things, but I've never, first of all, never gambled more than what I am willing to lose. Mm -hmm. And I've never replaced a loss with, a, a a spending spree either. It was really weird though. Yeah. And definitely something to dig deeper into and revealing so much more about your money mindset and getting, you know, getting closer to money in your relationship to find out like, oh, what drove that behavior? Because it's definitely something rooted from some experience you had in the past. When you think about um, the experiences that you have had with money, you know, that was such a beautiful thing that you just shared. So thank you for sharing that little detail with us. When you think about all of the risks that you've taken in your money story, what's the biggest risk that you've taken that gave the biggest payoff? Um, so in 2008, um, I was, I had a, um, I had invested in a bar. I was running a bar and I was working for a newspaper publisher uh, he had newspapers and magazines. So I was doing, that's, that's where I got into like the print advertising and copywriting and everything. So those things were generating my income. I had left the city, which was a very, very comfortable income. 
I moved back to my hometown, small economy, small town, you know, so I was making small town money. I didn't have a lot of extra money. And in 2008, the market crashed, you know, with the market tanked and the, the bar didn't do very well. Like people just didn't come out and spend, they didn't use their uh, disposable income the same way. Mm-hmm. So the bar didn't do that well. And um, I only had a little bit of money. I invested in when, so when the market crashed and stocks went down, I bought a bunch of stocks. I bought, um, this is not financial advice. I have to say that. <laughs> so I bought Kellogg Brownie Root and I bought Google at the time in 2008. And um, my meager investment then is sitting right now. And I've done some more trading, right? But mm-hmm. my portfolio is sitting over half a million right now. And it's down from, from what it was all time. It was over 700,000. Mm-hmm. That was a very big risk. It actually didn't feel that much different than the gambling I was doing in Atlantic City that day. Mm-hmm. It felt like this is money that I probably shouldn't, I should probably be keeping this in an emergency fund, but I I didn't. I moved it one day. It was weird. And then um, I haven't touched it since. And <laughs> it's it's been good. Yeah. It's just, especially with the crazy market that we're in, you know, it's last few weeks, it's just, what, what are you doing? Stop it. <laughs> and go back to, you know, stability. And then the crazy thing that happened during the pandemic, no one could have predicted that. It was just unbelievable. So taking risks, like Gary, the gambler, you know, he takes risk, but as an entrepreneur, you're taking risk every day. Well, thank you, Justin, for sharing your story and being so authentic with us and uh, all the details. What's one tip that you can share with the audience that they can do to help multiply their money? Um, boy, there's, there's a lot of tips, right? But, um, the, the biggest tip that I have for those people that are reluctant to save is find a vehicle, um, that you can use to kind of gamify your savings. If you make a game out of it and give yourself a reward, it, it will be like checking your emails on your phone, Mm -hmm. check in and see that you hit a point and you get a little hit a dopamine and it just, it makes it easier to save that way. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. Uh, For those of you tuning in, check the show notes to connect with Justin. If you're looking for PR, he is your guy. And remember saving, you know, just 10% is going to multiply your money. And it just starts with something as simple as that. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes. 
to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it.